It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Well, that wasn't a very good weekend for your Toronto Raptors. Two games, a combined 59 points in the red uh, against the Charlotte Hornets and Atlanta Hawks, a pair of really important opponents. How worried should you be about various aspects of the Raptors' play right now? We're going to dig into that question regarding Fred VanVleet's health, OG Ananobi's health, the overall state of the half-court defense and the half-court offense. Just the whole defense in general. Transition was stinky, too, over the weekend. We're going to dig into all of those questions and more on today's episode of Locked On Raptors with Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com. Thanks for being here. Oh, like because when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Episode number 1127, I think, of Locked On Raptors for Monday, February the 28th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And, of course, you can find links to every single episode of the podcast, wherever it is you get your podcasts. You can go follow, subscribe, rate, review, etc. It's much appreciated. You can also go to YouTube and subscribe to the show over there. Hit the big red subscribe button. It is much appreciated. Thanks to all those who have already done it. And thank you in advance if you are planning on making the leap to YouTube shortly here as well. And as always, a big thank you for making us your first listen of the day. All right. On today's show, woof, <laughs> really, really rough weekend for your Toronto Raptors on Friday night in Charlotte, a 125-93 loss that was never close. And then a game in Atlanta on Saturday that was close until like the middle of the second quarter. And then it was also never close, losing 127-100 to Trey Young and his merry band of Atlanta Hawks. And uh, joining me now to pick up the wreckage and to play a little game we're going to call the Worry Meter, running through some elements of the Raptors game grading them on a scale of one to five as to how worried we are about them potentially derailing the whole operation 
It is, of course, Big V, Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com. Big V, how are you, pal? I'm doing well. Uh, happy circumstance. Uh, surprised this doesn't happen more often. I'm wearing my locked on shirt, shirt today. Woo! <laughs> it's beautiful. You so, hey, I, I did. I love the brand synergy. It's fantastic. I, I'm not wearing mine, and I, my toque is in the other room because my fiance cleaned up my office and all of my stray hats are not lying around anymore. So, I can't throw mine on for brand synergy, but thank you for wearing the shirt. <laughs> oh, no problem. I mean, like I said, I'm surprised it hasn't uh, happened once yet, but uh, here we are. Um, got it on. We've got that together. Uh, hopefully the Raptors will get, get their ish together soon enough mm -hmm. and uh, we can get uh, used to watching some winning basketball. That would be nice. Uh, I should say, I, since we got to video on the podcast, which is now like six or seven months, it's been a while. I feel like I have been rotating like the same five or six shirts uh, over the course of the time. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, it's orange hoodie day. No, there's uh, <laughs> there's Denver Nuggets hoodie day. Uh, I, I feel like I don't have enough clothes for a daily uh, video podcast, so please bear with me. I have no, I like some clothes, everybody, but I, I like my staples. I don't know what to say. Hoodies are nice in the wintertime. My apartment's cold as hell. You'll get some better floral prints on t-shirts in the summer. Anyway, let's continue. How would I know it's a Wednesday if you're not wearing your Nuggets hoodie? That's a good point. It is. Uh, it's a classic Wednesday staple. It's like... Uh, yeah, I, I, maybe I should just assign days of the week just, you know, for that comfort yeah. for the listeners. Who's to say? We'll, we'll workshop that. But uh, let's get to the meat of today's show. Big V, the Toronto Raptors have lost two games in a row. Three of the last four they've lost by a whole bu bucket load of points. They have now fallen down to 15th in offense, 15th in defense, just a plus 0.6 net rating. Right in line with uh, sort of a 500-ish team, which is not what you want. Um, so... I guess we got to just sort of try to pick through the parts here. We're not going to go through the play-by-play -play of the two games on Friday and Saturday because they were awful games. It's truly awful. If you were watching the second half, I, you know, we did it because it's our jobs. I'm not going to lie. On Saturday, in the back part of the game against the Hawks, I flipped over to the Leafs game because it was like 10-7 and it was awesome. And I was having a great time. It was a great decision. But we did slog through these games. We're just going to kind of pull some bigger bits from it, though, and examine six different questions that potentially are uh, signs of worry for your Toronto Raptors. And we're going to grade as to how worried we are about those things. So let's begin, shall we, with our first thing on the list. It is, how worried are you about Fred Van Vliet's health? Uh, he's, of course, played the last two games, but he missed some time, obviously, before the all-star break with that knee soreness he played in the all-star game came back and it does not seem to have gone away entirely it seemed like at the start of the hawks game on saturday in particular like oh maybe he's back maybe he's finding his groove and things are all right and then as the game went along it just kind of looked a little bit more labored and slow and the burst isn't quite there and that is having all sorts of ramifications for both sides of the floor for the raptors so big v Fred Van Vliet is questionable for tonight against the Nets. Uh, obviously, a really big game with Brooklyn still bare, you know, looking back at the Raptors. And they're not going to be without Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons forever, you would assume. So you want to pick up these two wins tonight and tomorrow if you can. Uh, but how worried are you from a scale of one to five about Fred Van Vliet and his overall health? I'll put this one at a healthy four. Yeah. Uh, I think going back to the trade deadline when we were previewing it and discussing it, I was kind of like in terms of my hierarchy of needs, uh, the point guard depth moved ahead of, uh, you know, a center because I was mm -hmm. worried about Fred Van Vliet's uh, body. And I keep getting flashbacks to <laughs> the 2015 playoffs and Kyle Lowry 
going up against those Wizards and getting swept and, you know, him having to do so much in the regular season that he had nothing left. And hmm. It feels like an eerily similar pattern. Um, and so hopefully, uh, you know, despite the fact that there wasn't any real help uh, acquired for him specifically at the trade deadline, uh, there is a way that he can manage his body. I think, you know, coming out of this stretch will be a big telltale sign because you've got mm. six and eight. Um, how many of those he plays? Uh, and if he plays all of them uh, and he's he's struggling through it, that is probably not going to bode well for the remainder of the season. Yeah, I would have probably put this one at like a three, three and a half. But your invoking of the 2014-15 Toronto Raptors and Kyle Lowry's slow decline into rubble that season has uh, got me pretty scared, man. I'm going to go with a four and a half on this one because, yeah, like they just they need what Fred Van Vliet provides and there's no one else on the roster who can offer it, right? Like he offers really good point of the attack defense unless Trey Young is sizing him up. And boy, oh boy, do they not have any answers for Trey Young, which we'll get to with our next question. Uh, and I think there's like Trey Young tie-ins into how he picked apart the Raptors in that one but as far as Fred yeah like the like it's just hard to envision a pathway for this team winning you know the 44 45 46 games we were hoping they could win at this point without Fred Van Vliet playing at something close to 100% because there's just you know as much as we've talked about how there's an increased margin for error these days because there's more than four or five guys playing well you know, that's kind of dissipated in the last couple of games here. I still believe in most of the guys to come back around to form here, but like there's just no one who can replicate what Fred does. And I am like, what do you make of the fact that Malachi Flynn's gotten over the course of the last two games, 12 and 19 minutes? That's 31 minutes altogether. I just did math on the fly, baby. Um, you know, he hasn't been terribly effective in those minutes. He was two of 10 against the Hawks. And, you know, obviously a big product of garbage time is a lot of those minutes, but um, do you kind of maybe envision Flynn as maybe this sort of break glass in case of emergency backup point guard that they might go to here? Obviously, Pascal's going to have the ball in his hands a lot, but then you get into the question of, is that too much of a burden to put on him? Uh, where do you think Flynn kind of sorts into this in terms of helping to offset the load that Fred Van Vliet's been carrying all season long? Well, first off, I'll say Malachi, you know, maybe the raw stats don't show, show it, but I think from a process standpoint, he's been sure. doing some good things. Sure. Um, and then in terms of the backup guard situation, I think that just has more to do with, uh, the scoreline, uh, mm -hmm. than anything else. And yeah, if you're, if you're down 30 and the fourth, you're probably better off, uh, getting Fred some rest, knowing the situation with his knee. So how did uh, he play 35 minutes on Saturday? <laughs> what? I stand by my four and a half. Uh. Yeah. At, at this point, I mean, anything under 40 is a win. Uh, mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I feel like, you know, in a normal situation where the Raptors are competing uh, and are in the final stages of the game, uh, you're probably not going to see uh, Flynn even get to, you know, five minutes probably. So uh, I think that was just more of a situational thing. Uh, and, yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how the Fred situation plays out. Yeah, as far as Flynn, like I can see him maybe filling in sort of the off-ball side of the role a little bit, right? Like that's what they brought him in for in that Wolves game, right? They were getting killed by the zone, and he just offers some sort of theoretical shooting. And so 
it kind of worked, even though he did. I don't think he scored in that stretch, but he was useful process wise. You mentioned like pretty helpful. Um, so I could see him filling in for that role a little bit, but in terms of the on-ball creation, like it's just not, he doesn't have the same shot making acumen. You would hope that he can one day, cause that's kind of sort of how he's going to make his bones in the NBA, but, uh, haven't seen it so far. And yeah, the Fred thing, I, I'll, you know, not to sort of spoil the rest of the podcast, but I do think this is sort of the biggest lingering threat to a successful close to the season for the Raptors is Fred Van Vliet's help. I don't think it's close uh, as it stands right now. And so, you know, I've set up the, the it's four and a half to begin with. We're going to deescalate and kind of calm down as, as the rest of the show goes. Maybe you won't. Maybe you're more worried about some other things. But for me, Fred Van Vliet's help is clearly number one for me. We're going to continue on. We've got a few more questions to examine from OG Ananobi and his health status to Cam Birch and his overall lackluster play. That's coming up in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar, who are making the best tasting protein bars money can buy. You got to check them out. They have flavors for everybody, whether you are someone who likes nuts in your bars, they have those. They also have nut free if you have an allergy. That's no problem. They've got fruit flavored ones. They've got, you know, decadent brownie type flavors and everything in between. They've got marshmallow puffs. You can go and check out the built.com website and find the flavor that best suits your tastes and preferences. The best thing, though, that you know is no matter what flavor you get, you're getting something healthy that's going to scratch that itch for something indulgent without actually being all that indulgent. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein in your average built Bar. Compare that to a regular candy bar, which has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. 30 grams of sugar is like a lot of sugar, man. You should not be eating that much sugar in a little bar. So have a built Bar instead, and that is going to really scratch that itch. Like I said, they've got a new flavor this month. It's white chocolate cookies and cream. If it's anything like their regular cookies and cream, it's going to be delicious, so you got to get on board with that. So go to built Bar and uh, check out all of their wonderful flavors and maybe find yourself a mixed box, a single flavor box, whatever it might be. You can find it at built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. And we continue on your first listen of the day here with Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com. We continue on our uh, perusal of the worry meter with your Toronto Raptors. We'll go to the next one here. Also injury related on top of Fred Van Vliet. OG Ananobi got the hairline fracture in his finger and we are not really sure what his status is. He's not going to play tonight against the Nets and this is a weird one. It seemed like maybe it's something he picked up before the All-Star break could explain his struggles. But I think we've seen the last two games without OG in the lineup, as much as his struggles maybe had some people questioning, oh, like what's going on? Is he stagnating, et cetera, et cetera? All overreactions, of course. 
But I think we're seeing these last couple of games just how badly they miss him, particularly on defense. Like he's just such a sort of he's a ringer, right? You can throw him out there at anybody and it's probably going to neutralize the threat. You think back to the last time the Raptors played the Hawks and OG basically won that game with like two or three crunch time stops of Trey Young in space when Trey Young was doing the let's get someone an ISO and dance around them thing. You're not dancing around OG Ananobi the way you are poor, poor Chris Boucher. Uh, and so how worried are you about this OG absence? You know, it, it doesn't really seem like it's going to be super prolonged, but we also have no idea. We didn't think his hit pointer would be that prolonged either. So where are you at in terms of worry uh, when it comes to OG Ananobi and his absence? I'll put this at a two. I, I think part of why uh, that is is because the Raptors obviously didn't deem it serious enough to, you know, sort of shut him down as soon as it happened. He obviously sure. wasn't pay- feeling enough pain to be like, hey, this feels like something bigger. Like, mm-hmm. he was just like, oh, my finger is a little sore mm-hmm. uh, and kept playing through it. Um, and so it seems. Uh, like a very small uh, fracture. So hopefully the timeline uh, for recovery is pretty quick. Uh, mm-hmm. And obviously we'll get the update later today, but uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm not too concerned at this point. Uh, will he miss, you know, a week or so? Probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hey, uh, I think they'll be okay uh, with him missing that much time compared to, you know, maybe a worst case scenario. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's like a two, two and a half for me. Um, You know, obviously, the longer he's out, the worse it gets. And it sucks that he's out against this run of really important opponents that are right behind them in the standings. But I think, you know, I'm actually kind of, I don't want to say like unworried, but like there's like a piece I get when I think of him coming back in a week because it seems like he kind of fixes a lot of the ills that have been going on. Obviously, he's not going to account for a 59-point deficit over the course of two games. They're not winning those games if they simply just have OG playing regular OG basketball. But I do think like he shores things up so much on the defensive end. And like I think, really, I've been making this point all season long, and I think it really kind of bore out in these last two games, is that the Raptors are the kind of team that they're either in the middle of a positive feedback loop or a negative feedback loop. And once you get in that negative feedback loop, it's really hard to get out of it because you are giving up uh, easy buckets and you're not getting anything in the half court and you're not getting back and forcing transition with your really sort of harrowing half court defense. You're allowing transition buckets. It's just like this sort of, oh God, we're down by 30 now. There's nothing we can do. It's the same as when they get on a crazy run, right? And they are forcing turnovers. They're scoring on the run. They're getting back with a set defense and forcing more turnovers and getting out on the run. And they just didn't have that ingredient that OG provides, which is turnover forcing. It's that half-court defense that he can kind of just swallow up anything, help anywhere on the floor, rotate to wherever you might need him. And I think he just really helps them get into that positive feedback loop as much as anybody else on the team. So I'm pretty encouraged that like once he gets back, we could see a little bit more of like the typical identity of the team that we're used to seeing. But until then, like... It's rough, man. I mean, they're not going to come across a Trey Young type again, where or even a Lamelo Ball who gave them a lot of trouble as well. Um, but you know, the, the, it's uh, they need OG back. His defense is just so so valuable. And for those who were like worried about how valuable he is during his little struggle before the All Star break, you're seeing now just how important it is to have that dude on the floor. Um, let's continue on here to another player on the team before we kind of get to more team wide concepts, and that is Kem 
Birch, who started, uh, was it both games over the weekend? Uh, yeah, he started both games. Uh, he was 0 for 3 against the Hawks in a minus 24 in 13 minutes uh, on Saturday. Not so good. And then 18 minutes was 0 for 3 with 1 point and a minus 21 on Friday against the Hornets. Looking rough for Ken Birch. And it pains me to think about this because I love Ken Birch and it's such a cool story. He's playing where he wants to be and everything's wonderful, but he's looked pretty rough. I have a stat for you and it makes me sad. So Ken Birch around the rim this season, if basketball reference would cooperate. Uh, so far from uh, zero to three feet is shooting 56.6% inside three feet. Fred Van Vliet, who is nine inches, if you're being generous, shorter than Ken Birch, and has been noted as a not very good finisher around the rim his entire career, is shooting 65% at the rim. So Kem Birch, missing bunnies. He's got the floater game sometimes, although I feel like his numbers there have been kind of inflated from the early part of the season. I can't remember the last time he hit one of those eight-foot floaters. Feels like it's been a while. Looks slow-footed on defense. How worried are you about Kem Birch's play overall? And do you think that maybe there's an avenue here for him to be excised from the rotation given how he's played? Uh, the answer to that is yes. I am at a four and a half mm -hmm. uh, with Kem Birch. I just think at a certain point, uh, the story of someone's season is there for everyone to see. And this has just been mm -hmm. a brutal season for Kem Birch uh, in and out of the lineup, unable to catch a rhythm when he strings together a good couple games. It's usually followed up by uh, a bad stretch of games or he's mm -hmm. just out of the lineup. Um, and so I do think that you're at the point where you're looking for solutions beyond him. And uh, the good thing is Precious Situa is figuring things out. Yeah, and, uh, they have 10,000 centers on the roster, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, obviously the, the one thing he provides that no one else on the roster can is the muscle uh, mm -hmm. that he's got. Uh, obviously, he's a really strong body that the Raptors could use inside. Uh, but again, all of that is theoretical, right? It's been theoretical since the season has begun. Uh, yeah. You wish you could see the guy that uh, finished up the season in Tampa. But it, at this point, it's hard to envision that actually transpiring. Yeah, I think there's this sort of undercurrent of like chem support among Raptors fans, observers, etc. Where it's like, oh, chem should just be starting and things work so much better with him. He's like a connector. He's this sort of guy who you can work in the short role, etc. I just don't see it. Like, I know that their numbers might be all right when he's on the floor, you know, with the starters and whatnot. I just I don't think he offers anything super dynamic and i think his defense leaves a lot to be desired and you see it like precious Achua comes in and instantly it's oh he's swallowing up things at the rim and in space that ken burst just doesn't have the foot speed to get to and i yeah it, look and so this is a roundabout way of saying like i think ken birch is playing poorly i'm worried about his play in particular for him but for the team I'm at like a one and a half because I don't think you need to be relying on Kem Birch, right? And so I don't yeah. think they'll be shy to move on and say, all right, let's go Precious or let's go small ball fat at the five or whatever that might be. Like, I think there's enough options you can throw in there. And yeah, there'll be some opponents that come around who are difficult. They've played their Nuggets games, so they're done with Jokic, I think. Or they have one more maybe on the road in Denver. But, um, you know, like, I don't know if there's going to be that many times where it's like, oh, Ken Birch, we got to have him in the lineup today for this specific matchup. And so 
you know, I feel like Precious can kind of guard anybody that Ken Burch is guarding well anyway, right? Like he's just been that good defensively. So I, um, yeah, worried about Ken and I want him to kind of get right and hope that he's doing all right and hope he can kind of figure things out here. But I don't think they're beholden to playing Ken to the point that it's to be worried about as like a thing that could drag down the season because you just play somebody else there and maybe that opens up a spot for a rotation player who offers something like shooting to the lineup, <clears throat> Yuta Watanabe. Uh, but that's besides the point. Um, let's continue. And that on guy here. is again Sorry, theoretical. Yeah. No, also I was gonna theoretical. Say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Slightly less, maybe, but also, yeah. It's all, uh, it's all just a, a, a figment of our imaginations as we're learning here. Uh, hopefully, Kem <laughs> is. Hopefully, Kem is one of those guys that you know just absolutely hates the mask, and yeah, that is contributing in some way. Uh, yeah. To what we're seeing. I also absolutely okay. hate the mask. Not one of Jim Carrey's better vehicles. Uh, let's continue on. <laughs> uh, we're actually going to... I don't know, we can do one more here before we hit a break. So how worried are you, Vivek, about the Raptors' half-court offense? It looked like uh, doo-doo over the weekend. Really, really rough. Pascal Siakam, I think, was kind of a big contributor to that. Um, and I'm, I don't even know if that's necessarily like a slight on Pascal. He's just seeing a lot of attention, and teams seem to know what to do with him and what the Raptors are trying to do through their offense. It seems like the all-star break offered ample time for scouting of what the Raptors do and the three or four ways in which they really excel. If you take those three or four things away, things get pretty tricky. Um, so overall, what are your thoughts on the half-court offense? It, it has been obviously a tricky point of contention all season long. They've been performing above their overall offensive talent because of their you know, knack for winning on the margins, the possession game, getting out in transition, etc., Seems like the half-court issues are rearing their ugly, ugly head again now that OG's not there for spacing and Gary Trent Jr. is not quite uh, shooting fire from his fingertips like he was a month ago. Where are you at with the overall health of the half-court offense? I would say, you know, this is probably a one, one and a half for me. Okay. Relative to what they've been all season, right? Like when right. I look at the issues that have uh, cropped up these last two games, uh, those don't worry me in terms of going forward. Uh, Pascal Siakam, I'm not worried about uh, him, you know, getting back to an all NBA level uh, mm -hmm. once he's completely done with this uh, sickness that he's been dealing with. And so uh, I think he's obviously the biggest part of that. Uh, I think Gary Trent is going through a little bit of an adjustment mm -hmm. where I do think teams are showing him more respect. Uh, and you know, he's obviously become a bigger part of the scouting report, having that bonkers stretch that he did, um, in tying DeMar DeRozan's record uh, with those 30 point games, uh, it will do that. And so mm -hmm. I think he's going through a little bit of an adjustment, but I do think, uh, he's a good enough player to get past that. Uh, you know, maybe the, the one big worry would be Fred's knee, right? <laughs> if, yeah. if he doesn't have the burst uh that he's had for the remainder of the season then yeah then that vaults all the way up uh but in terms of all the uh process concerns i, I would say i'm not too concerned uh about them returning to the level they've generally been at on the season I'm with you. I think, you know, you're going to get a cold shooting spell from time to time from a Gary Trent Jr. or whoever, but usually that's going to kind of snap back. There'll be regression to the mean. Look, in January, I think they were the number two team in the league in three-point percentage. That's not going to be what you can expect each month, but I do think because their high-volume guys are all actually very good shooters, like, if they have OG, Fred, and Trent available, 
I think they've got enough to squeak out a pretty good half-court offense with everything that Siakam's been doing, with their gaming the margins on the offensive glass, and with Scotty Barnes also. We haven't really talked about him. He had 28 points on Friday. He looked pretty damn good. Um, you know, he can offer you some stuff in the half-court as well. So, honestly, the thing that I'm kind of intrigued by is how do they get their transition game back on track? Because, like, I didn't think that was a strength of their game in these last couple of games. Like, then, like, the turnovers, trying to get that, like, quick hit ahead to the guy sealing out under the basket – Teams have figured that the hell out, man. And maybe it's a little bit more difficult because OG's not been in the position to run that play the last couple of games because that's kind of his pet set where he bursts out and, all right, let's hit him under the basket and we can get a quick score here. But, you know, they, they've they just looked really sloppy in transition to me. And I think that is kind of the bigger concern than the half-court offense, which is always going to have its ups and downs. But if you're not scoring on the run when that's kind of everything that you're, you're built on, that's going to be a big-time problem. So, yeah, I, I think I'm more concerned about the transition that I am the half court at the moment. And I'm actually not that concerned about the transition because they've been really good at it all season long. And I also feel like, yes, maybe they've been scouted a bit, but Nick nurse is a pretty damn good coach at this part of the job, which is adjusting in season. I think he does a pretty, really excellent job of, Hey, uh, you know, this thing is happening. Maybe I need a couple games to kind of sort through it, but we'll eventually get those gears back in and lock in again. I kind of think that's what we should expect here as he adjusts to the readjustment to the Raptors over the last little while here uh we're gonna finish this out with a couple more how worried are you by the way i'm like a two and a half two on the on the half court offense i did not give my number it's very important to the integrity of the pot uh we'll continue on though and round it out with a couple more how worried are you's but first want to tell you about our friends over at bet online bet online they are wonderful people who have a endless number of odds totals player performance props etc for your betting needs, whether you are a football fan, and that's over now, but you can still put money down on futures and things like that. But you've also got basketball in full steam, and you've got pro and uh, you got college hoops. Sorry, you're written March Madness right around the corner. So go to Bet Online; they remain the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing. UFC odds, and eventually baseball in maybe 2026, whenever the owners decide to get off their asses. Anyway, head to the website today, use your mobile device, and learn more about the trends and the action at Bet Online, where the game starts. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. And we round out the worry meter episode of Locked on Raptors with Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com with a couple more how worried are yous. The first one here is the state of the defense how worried are you about how the raptors have played defense this last little while the hornets uh you know they're a good offensive team they carved the raptors up as such lamella ball was just dancing around he didn't even have a crazy uh, overall production game it was more terry rosier and their bench just completely bludgeoning the raptors but they just they, they really struggled to keep in front of guys and that is a problem and not something they've usually really struggled with um, how concerned are you about the state of the, the defense right now, uh, especially as it comes to the half court and guarding those sort of slippery guards that have given them trouble these last couple of games? I would probably say it's a three because okay. that's kind of the way 
it's been all season where yeah, you've seen really good stretches. You've seen really bad stretches. Mm-hmm. Um, and so landing right in the middle feels uh, about fair. Uh, so, uh, oh, well, I guess in that case, I should be at a 2.5. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I feel like there are obvious concerns in the way, uh, you know, the Raptors have defended around the rim. Then you look at the concerns with, you know, those kickouts to the corners uh, that get a lot of threes. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't think those issues are going away anytime soon. You, you know, you mentioned uh, the Raptors losing a bit of their transition game. It's hard to be in transition when the ball's just going in the basket every single time. So mm-hmm. um, I think uh, some of that will obviously dissipate. Uh, and it's a bit of an adjustment with OG out and cobbling together a bit of a different rotation. Um, so, yeah, I'm... The concerns that have been there all season continue, uh, but I'm not overly concerned that it's going to just completely fall apart now, uh, you know, the rest of the way or in the postseason. Yeah, I'm at like a two, I think. Um, And that's because I'm not super worried about OG. I was also at like a two with his absence. And I think he comes back, things kind of slide back into place. Um, You know, Pascal obviously has been like one of their, if not their best defender over the last couple months. You'd have to imagine that being sick over the weekend probably contributed to that a little bit. Um, And I feel like defense is kind of like a thing where you got to sort of get on the same page all over again after taking 10 days off, right? That feels like maybe the thing that catches up a little bit later. Their offense isn't cut up either, but I think their, their defense, like I feel really good about the ceiling of their defense. And we've always known that the floor is there to fall out as well because of the way that they play and the way they bait teams into taking favorable shots maybe through not so favorable players but those can come back to bite you in the form of marcus smarts and things like that that kind of explode so yeah like i the the, the overall integrity of the defense hasn't really changed all that much to me obviously if fred is going to be limited at the point of attack that's a problem but i think they have other ways to kind of counteract that if they need to and so yeah i'm at like a two with the defense they are still long and athletic and they still try really hard, even though that didn't really come to bear in the last couple of games. I think overall they have not forgotten how to try really hard. And that is good for a lot on the defensive end and their stretches where they really do kind of get going. And we saw this, I think in the start of the second quarter, late first quarter against the Hawks, like they can really get ahead of steam going when that defense is cooking. And I do think that's going to be their avenue to improving and getting back on track here. And I think they have the wherewithal to do it um let's lastly go to the final how worried are you from today's episode and that is how worried are you about the raptors ability to achieve a successful end of the season this probably requires us to both state what our vision of success for this team is by season's end which maybe we haven't yet sorted out but uh how worried are you about right now your raptors at 32 and 27 what is it 23 games to go How concerned, how worried are you that they will not be able to have a fruitful end of this 2021-22 season? Yeah, so I'm a big believer, you know, that unless there's like some type of blockbuster trade uh, at the deadline or there's just a major injury uh, during the season that Mm -hmm. I revert to what did I expect coming into the season. And so coming into the season, I was, hey, somewhere in that play in range seven to ten um and hopefully get into the first round of the playoffs mm-hmm. they are absolutely on course to do that uh, i would be 
shocked if that didn't happen at this point. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm not concerned at all uh, that they'll meet expectations. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll put this at a zero or a half. Uh, you know, maybe things look ugly like uh, like we discussed with the first scenario presented. But, mm-hmm. yeah, with this one, it's a zero to a half for me. I told you we were going to de-escalate from the very beginning all the way down to the end, and there's a reason this one is last. My answer to this is a big fat zero. Just not concerned at all because everything is already gravy, man. Like, yeah, if they like really, really the, the, the wheels completely fall off and they end up 11th, then I think you can look, okay, that's a big disappointment considering where they were at the point in the season at which they were in that spot. That would be a huge disaster. But that doesn't seem very likely to me. They're better than that. Their schedule is pretty easy down the stretch. They finish with 8 of 10 at home, which is a pretty nice way to go out. Like That's not even on the table as a possibility for me. And so you factor in the fact that Scotty Barnes looks better than anyone expected he would still. Uh, you know, it's easy to take for granted now that he's like this, you know, guy who's putting up 28 and stuff and scoring whenever he wants in ISO and whatnot. Like that was not expected coming in. It's all gravy with Scotty Barnes. and He is the most important part of this whole picture. The second most important part of this picture is probably Pascal Siakam. And he's been ridiculous this season. He's kind of reached a new level. Yeah, the last couple of games have been rough, but there's been explanations for that. And I don't think it's going to stick around. He looked better in stretches against the Hawks as well than he did against the Hornets. You can see the progression there. I'm not concerned about Pascal. And then, you know, the argument I've been making all season long is that, yeah, maybe the bench is kind of letting things down. The infrastructure to support the best players is not quite in place. We're seeing this with Fred Van Vliet, of course, and the overtaxing of him and his burden. But the guys who matter the most about the future of this team, in addition to Sigati and Pascal, OG, Gary Trent Jr., and uh, Fred Van Vliet all have taken steps forward, some enormous steps forward. And that's the stuff that really matters for this season. That is what was going to make this season a success all the way. Are we going to have a clear picture as to what the overall state of the you know vision six foot nine and everything is by season's end? Maybe they you know pivot out of that and, and sort of go with a more traditional team building thing next year after trying it out for this year. That's possible, but I don't think that is tied to the success of the season or the lack thereof or whatever. Like that's just part of the the fact finding mission that this season was. So. Yeah, I'm at a full zero. I'm not worried at all because all of the stuff that you really, really wanted to happen or hoped it happened or dreamed would happen has already happened, and it's fine. They're 32 and 27. They're four games away from hitting their Vegas over-under already. It's not that bad despite the last couple games feeling like enormous kicks to the genitals. Anyway, uh, with that, we've reached the end of the worry index. Do you have anything to add onto that rant there, uh, Vivek? I just... I, I find it's so easy to get like super toxic and angry after a couple of losses. It's nice to ground yourself. And uh, sorry if I got a little excited whilst grounding myself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fans are going to live and breathe every single moment uh, of this team, every single game. Uh, that's just how passionate the Raptors fan base is. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, at a certain point, you got to be able to step back and appreciate everything that's happened over the course of the season. And as you highlighted, there's been way too many positives at this point. Uh, Mm -hmm. for it to be viewed as a a negative outcome. So, yeah, I I don't really have much to add to all that you put out there. 
Yeah. Talk to me in two weeks if they've still yet to pick up a win post All-Star. Then maybe we can reevaluate. We'll do a whole new version of the worry meter where everything is just a big fat five. Uh, but <laughs> we can leave it there for now. I should note, usually we handle the due to the game after game recap episodes. We haven't done it for a while, obviously, because the All-Star break is happening. But, uh, I mean, Scotty Barnes, the due to the game on Friday, the only guy who really showed up, 28 points on 13 of 18. That was fun. I would say Saturday, Precious Achua was very clearly the dude of the game and their best player on the floor. Um, any disagreements there? Any quick thoughts on Scotty and Precious's efforts over the weekend? No, no disagreement whatsoever. Uh, Scotty really encouraging uh, with uh, his offensive game on Friday night. It's it's really impressive how polished uh, his game around the basket is. I mean, obviously there's some things that he has to get better at, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those finishes around the rim, like for someone who was called a zero level scorer, it's <laughs> pretty, pretty damn awesome. And then Precious Achua, like, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to coin the term, the, the Goldilocks equilibrium. And, you know, <laughs> you go through a phase where you, you have guys like Precious who are trying to do too much. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you got a guy like Utah Watanabe that's doing too little. Precious mm-hmm. looks like he's getting closer to, you know, just doing things just right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's the biggest thing for him. Yeah. Precious Achua plays like the polar opposite of a bowl of oatmeal, but uh, <laughs> it, it's it actually works out as an analogy. So well done, Big V. We will wrap up the show there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hopefully all of your alarms in your house are not firing off anymore uh, and you can kind of, uh, you know, take a sort of bigger scale view of the season as a whole after these last couple tough losses. I would expect probably a better effort against the Nets tonight. It helps that the Nets are not complete. Uh, they won't have Kyrie yet because I think they're met, they're, been, they're, ah, they're vaccine mandates to list, don't lift until March the 7th. Boy, words hard. Uh, but we will uh, examine that game on tomorrow's episode of the podcast. We'll obviously preview the second half of the back-to-back as well. Uh, but until then, you can find us wherever you uh, find good social media, I guess, at Vivekam Jacob. Do you have anything you would like to promote, Big V? Uh, yeah, I'll have a story coming out for Raptors.com uh, on you know the rigors of an 82-game season. Uh, and especially, you know, these types of seasons where there's more external factors impacting it than in a normal 82 game season. Uh, so you can look forward to that. Uh, and besides that, you know, just the usual stuff uh, at Raptors.com, CBC Sports. You can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. Sounds good, buddy. Uh, I'll have the recap on Raptors HQ of the game tonight. I'll be at the game tomorrow too. go to a game for the first time in quite a while, which is very exciting. Um, so you'll have that. And uh, yeah, we got a full week of lots of games to dig into over the course of this six games and eight night stretch. And uh, we look forward to bringing all that action to you over the course of the week. And thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. Go and now listen to Locked on NBA is every single night. They are covering all of the big games from the night before. A great little recap if you did not catch all the games. So make sure you're still informed on what's going on around the NBA. So go check that out on, on both the podcast platforms and on YouTube for free. And uh, with that, we will talk to you again on Tuesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? 
I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.